welcome to episode 253 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Came back from Chicago yesterday. Uh-huh. It's absolutely freezing over there. Aren't you glad you didn't move now? You know, it's minus 17 degrees right now. Uh-huh. With the wind chill effect of like minus 40 or something. It's pretty painful, isn't it? That, the, yeah, the wind it's a chill. Hard, it's a hard way to live. Oh, wow. And it lasts forever. It doesn't <laughs> last for like two months. Oh, my God. That's Yeah, I lived there for seven years total. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, right, the city's a great city. And if you have friends and work and a life there, you just deal with it, you know? But mm-hmm. uh, when you're used to living out here and it's like yet another 70 degree day with... And sunny it's it's just uh, it's hard <laughs> it's hard to deal with yeah so uh yeah i mean you do you even have the right clothes to wear when you go up there uh, i do i do i go with a scarf a and scarf I, yeah would you call them scarves in the u.s yeah scarf yeah that's it you don't wear you don't no, have wear long a nice underwear jacket you have long underwear I, and like no I, socks no I don't do all boots. that no None of that no, i probably should yeah probably should yeah yeah well, anyway, uh, so how was it? I mean, how, how, how are things that did you do? Yeah, great. Um, Miko's settling in very well. And so Miko's your new hire who lives on Kuala Lumpur? New hire from Kuala Lumpur. And um, I have a list of uh, the extensions that he that he's lead maintainer of for the for PHP. Okay, so you want to brag about that? Yeah, I want to brag about that. Okay, so Image ahead. Magic, Memcached. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, ZMQ. Zero, oh, zero MQ? Yeah, plus he's a contributor to the main zero MQ code base. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so actually, um, good story about Miko. Was we, so one of the things we wanted to do was to, because um, right now the we, well, we want, wanted to be able to split up uh, the data in the database on a per school basis. So every school has an ID, and then there's lots of kind of relational tables there. Mm-hmm. So gave that to Miko as a task just so, you know, to, to make it easy for us to set up development machines so we could just go, you know, let's not bring down a 200 megabit database, megabyte database. Let's just kind of shard it so that we just got every, all the data related to one school from all the tables. Gave that to him as a task and expecting to take two days or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this, the first hierarchy part, you know, just, and our hierarchy is basically consists of two tables and it, it, it at one point, of a certain node type, it's this kind of each table is a recursive, and so we have like you know a school, a state, or whatever you know. It, it transverses across these two tables at one point. So I'm like this is going to be hard to do. So and anyway, an hour later, he pings me, um, you know, a script um, on GitHub like that he's written with a Digidoo GitHub repository, and it's like you know it's it's only about thirty lines long, and I'm like, oh, I passed it to Jeremy, and we're like, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And we're like, oh, there's stuff we've never even seen there before. And it's just it's just like a really short, clever script that just does this stuff. And I'm like, okay, now we know we've got a nuclear weapon. How yes. are we going to use it? <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it makes me think of a couple things. One is that, um, you know, all programmers are not created equal. And it's hard to, un- to convince sometimes management of that. Right. Like, oh, he has this this guy has five years experience or this guy's ten years experience and they know this technology, so they're all kind of interchangeable. And I, I and it, sometimes to explain that to non technical people, I'll say, Would you say that everybody who's played basketball for ten years is the same, more or less? Right. It's just a world apart. Well, and most people who played basketball for ten years suck. But then there are some who are NBA players or all NBA I mean it's just 
a world of difference. They're not even remotely comparable. But outside, you just have no idea. There's just a couple numbers. And uh, yeah, and so I know that you had to do some convincing of management of the money guys to, to hire a guy who was so far overseas. We're just in Kuala Lumpur. Right, because it was so far. Yeah. It wasn't right. like, it wasn't a hiring, a difference to hiring someone in South Carolina. It was, it was like... It wasn't an issue about the personality or anything like that. No, 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 I know. It's distance, yeah. right. But, and you and you kept trying to make a case from like, you don't understand. This guy is really, really good, right? Mm-hmm. And so now, I mean, you're obviously, you're going to be able to give them evidence. You'd be saying, look, right. it's this guy's world class. Yeah, I mean, look, the rest of the team is good. Everyone's good in different ways. But, um, you know, so far, it's just, I think that um, the real difference here is, I think when someone has been like lead, you know, maintainer of such such kind of hardcore stuff and has a lot of open source software out there, there's just a lot of, you know, kind of, I, I guess, as he says himself, he has no social life, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when someone has no social life and they, you know, they're basically spending 24-7 building stuff, releasing open source stuff, you know, it's, it, you just get, you just get a lot of footprint on, on all of the different stuff there is out there. So, but actually, um, he had also mentioned that that script was based on another script that he found, but still, I think, it, I think it's really good. Really yeah. Good work, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing with experienced developers. They know yeah. where to look for pieces like, oh, yeah. I can take this piece and modify it. Or I know, I know how this should work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just about like writing from scratch. It's just knowing how something should be solved. Well, it's also like thinking that way. I mean... I personally wouldn't know to think that way about SQL, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, but you, you, your friend probably would, who's been studying SQL and your other friend who you mentioning, who was an SQL expert. Well, you know, Phil. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Phil Lehman, yeah. he's a, yeah, he's a SQL guru. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, that's why it's nice to have experts on tap when mm-hmm. you're working on stuff. Cause yeah. you're like, you know, I'm competent with this stuff. I can, I've written my share of SQL, but when it gets really hairy, it's <laughs> it's better to go to somebody who's really experienced with it, and they just rather rather than me wasting eight to ten hours on a problem, spending a few days and getting not nearly optimal solution, and then talking to somebody who can figure it out in twenty minutes and tell you right one. Or you know, which has happened to me. I ha- I had to get Phil's help on a, on something. Um, it was about a week ago, and. I actually was the one who, like we, I was talking it through him. I had to explain the problem and the problem domain and the nature of the data and the kind of questions that was going to be asked. And, and I said, well, what if we just do this? And he's like, yeah, that's the right solution. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I, I came with the solution. He helped clarify, clarify it and then validate it as the right solution. Whereas I might've been like, ah, maybe this should be a store proc or maybe we should do it this other way. You know, you just burn time mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool that Miko has turned into uh looks like he's going to be a, an all-star for you. That's, yeah, it's that's gonna, great. Yeah, it's, gonna, it's great. And, um, you know, the rest of the team. So we're actually uh, currently migrating from Laravel 3 to Laravel 4. Right. Because you guys because you guys got started Laravel just like a couple yeah. months before Laravel 4 came out. It was kind of bad oh, timing, right? It was really bad timing. And um, But it's great. It's great because, uh, you know, Jeremy hasn't had a chance to really get into the Laravel stuff because he's mainly been focusing on Android and, um, and SysOps stuff. Mm-hmm. So... It's great, you know, so we're, we're moving stuff over and I guess we're kind of copying, pasting and then changing the, the kind of function names as is required. And um, now we're adding tests because we didn't have tests before. Mm-hmm. And actually tests is kind of like, it's the fastest way to move it over, in fact, because you don't have to like hook it into the front end to test it out. Yep. So it's going to be nice, you know, building a um, continuous integration and 
all that stuff. You're getting pro. So, yeah. You're going pro. Going pro. And with, with pull requests, getting, getting into GitHub, you know, like it's all, it's all going to be sweet. Yeah, you know, because when you're just like one or two people, you can kind of get away without really using Git, without branching and doing pull requests and code reviews. And, you know, you can obviously get away, especially writing stuff that's UI-centric and get away with write, not writing a lot of tests. But, you know, as it gets bigger and more complicated and the costs are higher if it goes down and you get more people involved, you just got to get these things in place. And the, the, the sooner you get them in place and you get them locked down, as long as they're not onerous and they take too much time, it's, it's just be better. Who does a pull request go to? Everyone uh, who... I, th- I, I believe it goes to everybody who is subscribed to that repo. And so who can like say, okay, it's, it's good? Yeah, you know, that's interesting. So I, you know, because the only time, the only GitHub repos that I've been contributing to that had pull requests that weren't just like little small ones that I work on or I work on with Guy on or something um, or with you is the ones I work on with Uber. Mm-hmm. And I don't set up or maintain, I don't set, I, I was the one who created the repos and added people or whatever. I'm just assuming, I'm auto, every time someone creates a repo at Uber, I'm auto subscribed to it. Mm-hmm. And I, which means what I do is I automatically unsubscribe <laughs> to and everything can, that I'm not directly involved with because otherwise I just get spammed with GitHub notifications. Can all you day long. okay someone's pull request? Can you basically say, yeah, this is good? At least all the ones I have to do on the on the real time team, all this, you know. With, and so it's so, just one, like just one person can basically say, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Now, usually what happens though is, so I'll be working on branch with someone or I'll be working in the neighborhood of that branch, you know, someone will say, Hey, can you check out this and give it a pull request and, and, you know, either comment on it or, or, you know, or, or sort of, I forget what the terminology is, but basically just, uh, accept the pull request. Right. And, um, I can't remember what the name of the, the, the button is that you, I click, but yeah, <laughs> you know, um, but I don't know what the sort of security hierarchy is with that. You know, maybe GitHub, you can set up different ways, but, um, Okay, accepting a pull request on a branch that passed tests and has and it has answered all of the comments or questions that were in the code review, that's not the same thing as merging it into master and deploying it. Mm-hmm. Right? So now it used to be the case that it was like only one or two people really had deploy privileges. Now there's a lot more people on the real-time team that mm-hmm. have deploy privileges. Um, I don't because... I mean, I could deploy if I want to, but I don't want to. Yeah, you don't want the responsibility. I don't want to. They're like, hey, I want you to deploy it. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. Why don't you guys? Yeah. I just sort of like, look, I'm, in, I'm not on site. And therefore, I miss Lydia, little parts of the conversations. You know, you guys don't always write everything down or we have to do this or that. And so if I don't hear something that's important and then I deploy something, I could screw stuff up. You guys just take care of the deploy. And anyway... It makes it good that there's a number of people in deploy because everybody knows how to operate the system, mm-hmm. take it down, bring it up, deploy stuff, do all that stuff. And it's not just all like on Amos because AIM, it was Curtis for a long time. And then when Curtis was VP of engineering, he and I built most of the original backend infrastructure, like mm-hmm. the real time systems. And then Curtis became, you know, he had to be, take on more of the roles, the VP of engineering, right? So he's just hiring people all day long. And then it was Amos was the deploy guy. You know, and it was just like, and there was like three or four of us who were kind of working on the system after a while. And now there's like, I, I can't remember, I was in a meeting room, there must have been like 12 guys on the real time <laughs> team. And three of the guys weren't even there, the older guys, I know, David and Jeremy and Dustin and somebody else 
we weren't even there. There were so many new guys. I couldn't believe it. How much it. of the code is like the, you know, how much of the code has like transformed from the first version that you cut with Curtis? You know, it's funny. I, I don't know exactly. Um, I think it's a hard question to answer, but it was funny because one of the guys, one of the, one of the newer guys, I think newer, he's been there. He's actually not one of the, he's probably not even of the five newest and he's only been there like three months. Right. You know, and uh, I think his name is Josh. I think. And Josh was like, so we were going around the table on Friday and was talking about what, what they did this week, did during the week or whatever. And uh, he's like, yeah, so I'm going through all the message processors and refactoring out, blah, blah, blah. And of course, I was the one who created the whole message processor architecture and refactored all into message processors and did all that stuff. You know, so it was funny thinking, like, yeah, I mean, you know, when, when you're the guy who lays the foundation of a house and builds the first version of the house, even if they like, you know, add an addition and add on a second floor, do it, you're still the guy who built the the original house. Right. Right. And it's not, and, and if it's a house that people are always living in, it right. hardly doesn't get, doesn't get destroyed and rebuilt. It's sort of, will it just be chopped gradual. up and refactored and like bits will be moved into, you know, sub functions and yeah, like if you look at it, a lot of it looks very familiar, but there's just, there's, you know, things have been refactored and there, there's continually new features being added or, or, you know, so I don't know, but I've been for the past, couple months i've been working on the real-time dashboard with george yeah, yeah which that's the system that that's the ui that allows you to monitor all real-time behaviors cpu usage and memory and throughput and trips and clients and you know what's what parts what nodes for what cities are on what servers and just everything right and so it was cool to find out like that was a big that turned out to be a big win on new year's because everybody mm. um, was able to keep an eye on all aspects of the system yeah. without having to run a bunch of ad hoc scripts think, yeah, and printing stuff out. Like, because that's before they'd, they'd write like they'd have little scripts they'd write and they'd be like, oh, and it would like show some CPU and some stuff. Yeah. You really couldn't easily keep your eye on everything. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, it's, it's you know it's always really cool when the stuff you build people actually use and it turns out it's <laughs> valuable and not just right. like you know because we've all written plenty of software where, you know, people really wanted it, it was going to be great, and then you build it, and then they just never really use it. Mm -hmm. Or it doesn't get used, and you're just like, wow, that was a waste yeah, of time. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. Uh, I mean, that's happened to me. And, uh, you know, like one of them was, uh, remember the, the differ that I talked about a long time? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it didn't end up getting deployed because we had so much data. Because it was, it was ultimately what it would do was it would do a real a diff of the state change between the current state of all of the data in a particular city and what had changed four seconds later. And there was so much data, crunching that data just just took up too much CPU usage. Okay. We just turned out to be a, we just couldn't do it. So we had to, you know, which, you know, I never thought that that was the way you should do it. The way you want to do it is you want, anytime the system makes any kind of a change, it sends an event like a, a delta says this went up by a little bit or this changed or this was that mm. or this was removed. But if you don't build that from the start and you have all these things it's that can difficult, change the yeah. system, it's like, okay, now where, so everything, every time something changed anywhere in this system, we have to somehow emit an event. And so the, the, the sort of mid midterm fix was like, all right, well, let's just send out the state, copy the state every four seconds, store it. And then every time a new state comes in, we diff, we do a recursive diff through all the structures and then we spit that out. So I spent a lot of time working on that and it was really fast and really cool. 
and you know, Guyon helped me a little bit on it, and uh, turned out it just took up too, too much CPU, <laughs> so yeah. I never got deployed, which was kind of real, uh, real kind of bummer, you know. Yeah. But that's just the nature of software. Sometimes things that you'd build just turn out for who knows what reason not to go to production. I've had that happen, like when an internal champion, you know, of an idea in a company will like push something through, and then you'll spend a couple of months building it, and then for whatever reason they'll move department or whatever. It's not, you know, it's just not required anymore. <laughs> that's right. It sucks. It just happens, you yeah. know. I mean, I, I think that's, I think that you almost have to think of it like writers, you know, writers who write like a novel or something. They'll probably write entire chapters and stuff and it just gets ripped out. So, right. you know, it just doesn't, and I think you have to look at it that way. It's like, you know, you're going to write a lot of paragraphs or pages that are just not going to be in the end, the novel at the end or whatever. Well, you're still going to learn a lot from doing it. You're still going to get a lot, you know, from just from a personal development point of view, Unless, unless you just learn nothing from doing that differ, you know, I'm thinking you're going to learn something for just professional. Well, yeah. I mean, I think learning something is like the worst case, right? Yeah. Well, the worst case is you get paid. You don't learn anything, but at least you get paid. Right. No, the worst <laughs> case is you don't get paid <laughs> and you don't learn anything. The second worst is that you, uh, you learn something a little bit, but you didn't get paid. God, the, it, it the next, hard, then the next would be like getting paid and not learning something. But ultimate is that you get paid, you learn something, it was fun, and the thing went production and a lot of people use it. Yeah. You know, that's like the, the whole thing. So I used to say this, I think we might have talked about this in, in, in before, but I used to have this theory of, of jobs, like, we were talking about this back in the late 90s with a buddy of mine. Um, and so, like, the ultimate job situation is where you, ha- you enjoy it, you're making good money, and you're having fun. That's the perfect situation. The, the decent situation is if any of those two, two of those are true, right? You're having fun, you're making money, but you're not learning anything. It's okay. Yeah. You're making money, you're learning something, but you're not having fun. You're learning something and having fun, but you're not making any money. Like any of those can last for a while, but in the end you're like, okay, I, I need to get this other piece in place. And of course the worst is if I'm making money, but I'm not learning stuff or having fun or <laughs> I'm having fun, but I'm not learning or making any money. When all those, those are like things that just... You got to get out of those quickly. Yeah, and uh, I always think those are good, th- good three high-level metrics. Like when you analyze your current situation, are those three things true or not? Mm. You know. Yeah, that sounds cool. I don't know. So um, yeah, so I was gone as well. I went up to um, San Francisco last week to work with Uber. It was funny. You email you like, can, all right, can we can we do the podcast on Sunday? I'll be on Friday. I'm like, dude, I'm on the way to the airport now. Anyway, the ladder. So it actually <laughs> nice. worked out. I, I guess. I forgot to mention that to you or whatever. So, um, yeah. So I was up there. That's you know the standard whatever three day rotation, and uh, you know got to got to meet the new guys, and they they split the engineering team between two floors hmm. because last time I went up there, I couldn't. Even, I didn't have a desk I work on. There wasn't a single spot at a single table on the on the entire floor where I could sit down. I I had to be. I had to sit in one of the three or four conference rooms, and I just get kicked out of one room to the other like i would have one for an hour or half hour and then a team would come by and like hey we got a meeting and i'm like damn it all right and i moved to the other one and then i'd be just set up and some team would be like oh yeah i'm sorry we got a meeting you know <laughs> the worst was i got in a room this this team comes by and say oh i'm sorry we gotta kick you out and i got crap and i had all my stuff set up and they go to the other one and they come and like oh i'm sorry we had the wrong room I'm like, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> so I told Amos, I'm like, dude, I am not coming up here unless you guys have a desk for me because this is just stupid, right? I'm yeah. like, I'm sitting in like lounge chairs and trying to find corners to work in. I'm like, this is just silly. So anyway, they, there's so many people, they split between seventh and eighth floor now. 
So the engineering firm doesn't even fit on the entire floor of an entire building. That's a lot. You know, I used a great feature that Uber had um, in Chicago. It's uh, I really like it. So you, you use your Uber app and you got your cab and then you share. Uh-huh. I really like that feature. And it, it shares a, like a short link. Fair split. Um, no, 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 not share fair split, which is oh. kind of cool too. Yeah. But share as in social sharing. Oh. So basically you can t- just type in a text message. I'm sure you know this because you work for Uber, right? But you type in a text message um, to all of the people you're going to meet and it'll send them via text a short link. They click on the short link, which takes them to the web browser and has a great real-time view of you traveling there with your estimate. Well, you know why you like this? Time. You suggested this about two years ago. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> you know, you should tell Travis they should do this. And I'm like, dude, like... It's really good. Whatever's on the roadmap's on the roadmap. You know, I'm like, I told you, I was like, you know, that's kind of neat, but I don't really have, you know, even at that time, it was too big. There's too much stuff going on that I couldn't like really like intrude on the product development roadmap. So it's funny that you, that it's there now. They should like promote it because it's just kind of like one of many things, but it's, it's really good. It's really good. So, but it's, I really like the fact, you know, I just like the way that it's executed as well. Like, um, it's super simple. It sends a text message. People click a link, and if they're on the mobile, it's it formats it in mobile format very nicely. And if they're on a web regular web page, it formats it very nicely. And it's great. It's great. It's just got your ETA, you know. Just yeah, it's really slick. Yeah, that's yeah. very slick. And I like that. Yeah, I didn't even. I I think I might have. I might have heard about that, but I didn't really. I guess I forgot about because it because I was wondering what those AT engineers were doing, and at least they're doing 80? that. You said you had AT engineers. No, it was well over a hundred. Okay, I was wondering what at those hundred engineers. A month were doing. ago, I don't know what that is this week. Amos is hiring like two minimum of two engineers a month. Shooting, he says he's going to get four this month. That's just for the real time team. That's a real land grab. And it's funny too. Like so, like all the guys. It was just like four or five of us. They're all like managers their own teams now, right? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, their own team of like ten or twenty guys or whatever it is. And so, like uh, Conrad, who runs the analytics team. And Align, who I guess this is like number two on the team, and they're kind of just like, dude, come work with us on the Alex team. <laughs> like, we got this cool new desk for a bunch of you know, all stuff. And they're like trying to pitch me. I'm like, well, I kind of got to f- close this loop here. But it's just so funny. It's like all my buddies. Oh, so are you're all, like, being pitched team. by all the teams now. Yeah, well, because I'm like the, the one, you know, I'm kind of the, you know, the independent agent, right? I'm like not a officially part of any team. I don't, you know, as a. That's as, awesome. As the free radical, I can just kind of get pulled in or do what I want. And they just were kind of pitching me to come in and work with them, which is nice, of course. Yeah. And the, the, the project they have in mind is really cool. So I'm like, I was kind of like, you know, it kind of reminds me of it. reminds me of the uh, TV show 24. There were two things in the TV show that were completely unrealistic. Now, two or three guys um, in, uh, taking over an, um, uh, you know, taking over uh, the Chinese embassy, totally believable, right? Sure, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> right in 15 minutes like yeah okay i go with that with good planning yeah sure well I, you know like hey these guys are super agents right now what was not realistic or what was completely unrealistic was the fact that jack bauer could get anywhere in la he wanted in 20 minutes right like he'd be like i'm in northridge i'll be down in santa monica 20 minutes i'm like no 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 that is not happening <laughs> there's no way you're getting to santa monica 20 minutes i mean it was just ridiculous like he would just <laughs> he would be in culver city then then he'd be in like you know <laughs> Passing or something. That's like, hilarious. Like, no one's going to notice that apart from... Yeah, but you're from, just like, 
but because if they did it realistically, it'd be like three episodes where Jack Bauer stuck on the 405. <laughs> 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 you know, he'd be like, yeah, I've, I've only moved like one mile in the last 45 minutes. I think I ought to be there. Like, guys, like, dude, the I'm, re- I'm, I'm really going to be there soon. Honestly, I know, really, no, really. Run away. Can, I, you, can you check the sing alerts? <laughs> Could you just send me another person so we can go in the carpool lane? Yeah. You know what they do is instead of having the – remember the clock would tick, tick after a commercial, right? And right before the commercial yeah. commercial break, it showed the clock ticking. They just have like a, gra- a SIG alert graph of where Jack Bauer is in the city on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how, but how does well, that well, remind well, you of that? No, no. That, I don't get it. Yeah. So there are two things that are unrealistic. That was the first thing. The second thing that was unrealistic about the show was that they had all these data analysts – Right, so wait, you had the data analyst and you had the field agents, and it was kind of interplay between the two. Yeah, the data analyst would like get this data in from some third party source or from some internal system, and they would like munge it and reformat it and get it to someone's. I sent over to your workstation in like one minute, and you're right. like, dude, that's like three weeks of work <laughs> dealing with that data. It's like you know, there's not like this one consistent format, and everything's in like this consistent data frame, and you just like get the data, slice it, dice it, and ship it onto somebody. No, it doesn't happen. Oh, so wow. anyway, I was telling Conrad when they were pitching me on, you know, their their big analytics back end, they, they're using, was it Kafka as the big central repository or whatever. I, I can't remember where all the tools they're using. And they're like, yeah, so like any data, any time series data of any kind from uh, that we collect or create or whatever goes through the system and we can put any data source – any time series plotted and displayed in any number of format against either of their time series in any moment. And so anyone in, 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 in operations, they call them DOPS, can create any kind of graph or visual or whatever based on any data they need to look at. You know, the growth team wants to look at some numbers or the operations or whatever. So they're like, hey, could you like come on and we want this like super uh, easy and to configure dashboard. Where you can just go on and just start grabbing time series data and like almost like Excel, where you could go and you click on it and you like yeah. make a few click box and boom, and then you can like widgets on the dashboard. You can move them all around. Yeah. And so they're they were they're kind of pitching me on that, and uh, I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. So, but I, I'm also working with the real time team, and I can't be like, later guys, you know. Right. I have to be like, I have to close that. So I still don't understand how that matches up with the th- the things that you didn't believe. In 24. Oh, they, they're trying to build something like 24, like any piece oh, of data. Oh, I see, I see, any, right. All these data sets can be matched and rearranged and configured. But that could really work for them. Because it could really work. It could really work because they have a common data format. Exactly. Like, yeah. This is like 24, the yeah. data analyst in 24. <laughs> this is what you're building. That would be awesome. And they're like, yeah. They're like, I haven't really seen the show, but yeah. And coincidentally, it could help Jack Bauer get across LA in 20 minutes yeah, because we gotta get he could choose guy. the best route. He's still stuck on the 405 somewhere south of the 10. I mean, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it was, it was cool being up there. I, uh, let's see, I, sometimes I don't always do a good job of like meeting up with people with friends. Mm-hmm. I just like my, the trip's coming up, but I keep thinking, oh, I got to email people and let them know I'm coming and say, Hey, do you want to grab breakfast or do you want to dinner or lunch and what game can you do it? And, and then of course you're trying to, I have to leave a certain number of uh, lunches or dinners open to meet to eat with the, the Uber guys, right? I can't just come in town and like hey let's grab dinner i'm like i'm sorry i'm busy <laughs> yeah. just, that's not cool so it's it but it's funny after doing that for a while it gets kind of exhausting it's just like ah screw it but then you get up there and you're like well i'm just eating dinner by myself <laughs> which seems kind of stupid so i actually did a good job and i had like you know all my all you know as so i met with uh 
who I had breakfast with Tariq. He's like, as guy was joking about being, he's heavy in the in the crypto world. So he's talking all kind of crazy. Is he the one who sent us the email that you published? No, that's Dom. Dom's a crypto trader um, friend of mine. Um, Which, by the way, I rather than posting it as a page, I posted as a comment on the last show. On the last show, right? Because I just didn't have time to screw around with creating a page. So it's there if you if you're interested in my what my buddy Dom, the crypto trader, experienced altcoin crypto trader, has to say about what coins he thinks are interesting and likely to rise, you can go to the comments on the 252 show and you'll see a big explanation. Well, I don't want to interrupt you, but I will say since the last show, Bitcoin and Litecoin have all gone downhill. Like I'm losing money right now, but let's not talk about it. Keep on going back. Wait, yeah, how we'll, you we'll, get to our, we'll get to our Bitcoin <laughs> corner in a minute. <laughs> oh, Bitcoin corner. Nice. Bitcoin, the Bitcoin. Uh. So, um, and then I grabbed uh, breakfast with, who else was it? Oh, uh, with my buddy, um, Pete Kim, he's the, the CEO of Mighty Hive. Oh, yeah. And um, that was cool. And I met with, uh, who did I have dinner with? I'm trying to, my buddy, I met with uh, some friends from, a friend of mine, works, he works at Google. He's a friend, they're friends from um, Sweden. They're actually friends of friends who Sandy and I became friends with when we went over to Sweden to the wedding a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. And then I uh, met with uh, my buddy, Doug. They're who, the people who have everything in common? Are they? Yeah. The, really? That couple who has everything in common, like the same kid, the same job the guy does the same job they're the perfect friends because they're just very similar to you i don't this i don't oh oh my buddy doug yeah (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. so doug is um did you meet with him yeah i mean they have some similarities here here so we had dinner and uh he is um he's the one i might have mentioned that he's teaching a programming course up in uh for kids yeah and uh same age group, four kids. His son Eli is Colby's age. Yeah. And, but he's just using Scratch. Mm-hmm. And he's actually got 35 kids now. Oh, wow. And he charges $200 a month. Oh, holy guacamole. Yeah. And uh, so the, the thing is that it's a whole different deal with, our, with us because, you know, his is a money. He's, he's trying to build a business out of it. Right. Right. And um, 35 kids is a lot. So he's broken up to a couple different. We're just trying to lose money on our on our thing. Well, I'm not. Yeah, there's no money. I'm just, I was just trying to call. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just like I just charge forty dollars a month because I'm like, what's the least amount of money that I can charge that people feel like they have some skin in the game, and right. then I can cover the basic expenses. So it's not like I'm paying everything myself, right? So um, anyway, it was interesting talking to him. I mean, he's it's, he's like, yeah, kids. Are, I mean, he's just it's he's just exhausting, right? Yeah. You know, something's wrong with my computer or this doesn't work or whatever, you know. 35 of them. Whoa. I think he only has like 15 at a time. Okay. 10 or 15 at a time. But even that's exo- 10 or 15 at a time. Oh, no, definitely. It's like we we found it wasn't until we went down to like six or seven that it was manageable. Yeah. and Easily manageable, I well, should say. And it's just him. Oh. It's not, he doesn't, he doesn't have a Justin. Wow. He doesn't have, and he doesn't, and there's no dad like Liam's dad, Chris, who comes in and who happens to know how to program and helps out. So it's just him. That's why he's like, I don't know how, he's like, the idea of teaching him JavaScript like you guys just scares the crap out of me. He's like, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> he's like, it's hard enough having to do scratch with just like point and click stuff. He's like, but his son Eli really wants to get into JavaScript. And so he's just like, no, no, just do scratch for now. And so Eli is like gone to town. Like he is like hacking um uh, scratch to the nth degree, <laughs> you know, which, you know, it's, it's probably good. So anyway, it was fun hearing about that. Um, he's so he's just trying to figure out like how to build a, a, a real business out of it. 
how to expand. And, you know, we were kind of brainstorming on that. And I was like, you know, you should, you should get in some older kids, high school kids. You could teach them, you know, they, they might charge a little bit more and they could, you could actually have classes later in the evening. And then maybe you can get some kids who, out of that, who then could help teach the younger kids. You know, it's kind of like a karate studio. You can get the brown and black belts who are like 15, 16, 17 years old. And then they help teach the ki- younger kids classes. Because it teaches them as well. You know, teaching, you, you learn from teaching. Yeah, but I mean, it's cheap labor too. It's fun for them. It's yeah. cheap labor for them. I mean, they'd rather teach programming than go and serve ice cream at the ice cream store. Yeah. Or, or bag groceries or something, right? And uh, so we're talking about that. And um, and, and then, of course, hung out with the Mighty Hive guys. Um, so, yeah, it was a crazy. It was it was good. Like, And then, of course, you were guys. Sounds and like then the guys, the high frequency trading guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I met with uh, with um, Kent, James and Ken. And uh, so, yeah, it was kind of like, Talking to that many different people at my time, like my brain was just overloaded, <laughs> you know. Um, what kind of so um, hotel do you stay in? Um, I I just so I just shoot for a hotel that's that's in the like hundred and thirty five to hundred and eighty dollar range. Wow! And that because if you go much below one hundred and twenty thirty, then you end up in the tenderloin. You end up like real crap. You know what? That's that's interesting because in like obviously in Chicago when it's minus seventeen. Uh huh. Like hotel rooms are pretty cheap, so I stay in a place called the Palomar. Have you heard of the Palomar in, the, yeah. in Chicago? Mm-hmm. A- absolutely beautiful. I think it's one of the best hotels I've ever stayed in. It's mm-hmm. just so you kind of feel like James Bond in there. It's yeah. like just so slick. Is it old or new? Hotel? It's new. It's totally new. It's but it's all done up like really slick, sure. kind of like a seventies mm-hmm. style. Like it's like a cross between seventies and and I don't know, cosmopolitan. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's like a hundred a night. Because it's so cold. It's a hundred a night. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to stay in that hotel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when you, you weren't staying in hotels before. You would no. stay with, so you're, this is, you're now starting to stay in a hotel. Yeah. I, I mean, I may stay, stay with Matt sometimes, but it's just that his sister's there and all there is is, is a, is a, is a couch. But so. isn't it much nicer to stay in your own hotel room? It is nice, but there's, there's also something to be said, which I really do appreciate, like being around the group. So, you know, Matt and, and, and then his, his fiance and his sister and just mm-hmm. generally having the kind of fun interaction with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest, uh, the nights I stayed in the hotel, we all, we all went out and had dinner anyway. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Go on, yeah, that's why you have your own hotel. You can yeah. go back and relax and have your own space. And, you know, you go to dinner with everybody. Well, I think it's definitely good for the wintertime. I, I don't know how, what, the, I mean, I'm thinking the prices of this room is like 300 a night kind of during the regular t- season. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it was nice. So I was just wondering what sort of, but that's interesting. So you're what, like one, 180? Wow. That's on the high it's San Francisco, I, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a unit square. I mean, hotels are expensive in San Francisco. I mean, yeah. if, if you, like I said, if you get below 130, it, it can be some pretty crap hotels in some sketchy areas. And, you know, so I try and shoot between that around the 150 range and usually find some boutique, some, you know, nice, three star boutique hotel, three, three and a half stars. And the, um, but occasionally, like, like you said, like when it's like, it was around the holidays, rates are cheap and I could stay at the, at the, uh, Wyndham or the, or the, you know, whatever the high end hotels are, they could be, they end up being really cheap. Do you ever get uh, breakfast in bed or anything like that? <laughs> no, I, it, there's a few, uh, sort of cheap, uh, diners. Right. That I go to. I see the thing is like when you order in the hotels, it's like you order eggs and it's like 12 bucks for two eggs. You're like, come on. Right. It's like, I just want like 
a Belgian waffle, a couple eggs over easy, and orange juice. And I and if you go to a diner, you can get in and out of there in like 12 minutes and have a decent meal and move on. Otherwise, you're sitting around and you're waiting for the uh, waiter. No, not if you order the night bucks. before. Huh? Not if, what about in-room? It's still expensive. Uh, it's so expensive, but you literally open your eyes and someone knocks on the door and like there's a magic breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't oh, do that. I mean, maybe that's just me, the foodie that I am. You like to eat food. I, I'm like kind of in the morning. I've only done that once, by the way. Okay. But, yeah. yeah, I, <laughs> I try and keep the price. I don't want to pay for that myself. I'm not going to pay 40 bucks for, you know, French toast or something. Yeah. And I also, uh, I, and I, I would feel bad charging it to them. Not that Uber has, doesn't have money nowadays, but still I try and be. Is it bad that I, I'm happy to pay 40 bucks for that breakfast in bed myself? That's what the great thing about it is money. You can spend it whatever you want. You know I guess I mean? it just if that's what you want to spend money on, spend money on it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't get any... Uh, in fact, it would stress me out because I'd feel guilty about spending that much money on it. Wow. I don't like spending money. Really? I don't. I hate it. So Sandy was like... So Sandy um, chaired the... Young and Healthy Gala this year. Yeah. And Young and Healthy is a Pasadena-based charity that... You're not going to make me feel guilty for spending money no, on no, breakfast, though. No, 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 okay, no. Right. no. Spend money wherever you want, man. That's why you make it. You buy whatever you want, right? <laughs> it's a free market, you know? Um, so, so she, this, this, they, they raise money for uh, providing health care and dental care to kids who, whose families have no money, right? Which yeah. is a lot of... As wealthy as Pasadena is, there's, there's plenty of people in the, who live in the area who don't have... Who are poor and don't have the services. Yeah. So that young and healthy is about raising money and, and providing services. So she chaired the gala and we had the big event on Saturday, uh, Saturday night, and it was over at the um, LA Equestrian Center. Oh yeah, yeah. You invited me to it, but I was in yeah. uh, I was in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, uh, you know, so Sandy was like, well, there's all these like silent auction items that you could that you could bet on, like, you know. You know, there was like a game at the lake or box seat at the Lakers or there was like a three night stay. And, and so they gave them away for nothing. For all fancy. Yeah, people donate they, those yeah, things. I mean, yeah. there's some really expensive things. Like there was an eight days at this, um, seven days at an eight bedroom chalet on Mammoth that's on the ski slopes. Wow. $24,000 value. So the guy got it for 15 grand, but that was a live auction. Anyway, so Sandy's like, well, what do you want to, so obviously they're talking to Mark when Mark and Kate came mm-hmm. and you've met Mark. So Mark, you know, Sandy's like, well, what do you want to bid on? I was like, I don't want to bid on anything, really. I just, you know, I hate spending money. Like, I don't know. I'm like, you spend it. You I thought you were going to make me feel guilty, but no, now you make me feel really good because yeah. you don't want to spend any money on charity. Well, no, no. Well, believe me, we spent plenty of money on this. I know. I'm like, I tell her, I'm like, you go and bid on whatever you want and then just don't tell me. Wow. <laughs> like, I don't, I was like, as I, I, was, I was saying to Mark, I was like, you know, the way this function works, Sandy and I are two-part function. I make the money, she manages it and spends it. I don't have, no, I have no idea what, what things cost. I just don't even. Are you always going to feel that way? I mean, let's say you, you know, you check out a Uber like a couple of years down the road, and you are super successful at that. Are you always going to feel that way? About not wanting to spend money? Yeah. Um, no, I. You know, it's just. Yeah, I, I, maybe it's become sensitive to it because we just don't have much of it. I mean, right. it's not like we're, I'm eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch. I mean, you know, right. it's not like I, I won't go out and have lunch or something. But I I just like, it's like going shopping. Like, oh, I'm going to spend $200 for this. or It makes me feel bad. Like, I just like, ah, just every time I spend money on something, I feel like I'm that much, I have that much less freedom 
or I guess it's because you are like you're catching up with the, the tax bill, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of in Team Roberts right now. It's like Team Roberts, keep everything tight, you know. It's been that way for years, though. I mean, this isn't like yeah. a new situation. I mean, oh. you know, we've been startup after startup. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not like it's not like we've ever been like flush. We're like, gee, we got fifty grand in the bank, and then we got. I mean, it's you're always interesting, like you, know, you know. And then of course, you know, when you have free kids. They're yeah. expensive, and you're supposed to be putting like, a lot of money away every month for Into all their college kids. Fund, oh, yeah. and not to mention your your four hundred one. Yeah, I mean your retirement funds and stuff. I mean it's a lot of money, you know, comes out the door. And I'm only only earner. Sandy doesn't work. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like so when it comes to that, it's like, oh, do you want to go buy some clothes? I'm like, no, not really. Yeah. No, I don't. You want a new jacket? No, I don't. I don't want to go and spend two or three hundred dollars on a jacket. Yeah, you know, it just it makes me feel worse to spend the money to have the jacket than to just have some money in the bank and feel like okay, I feel like I can sleep at night because we have some cash reserves. Yeah, you know. So, um, you know, and I told you last week about. I, I guess I talked about last week about how we had I had to write a big check to exercise the remaining options and mm-hmm. how Uber was behind on paying me my last invoice and so I had to stop the presses and tell them to hold the check and you know. So yeah. we're in that situation. It's not really fun to spend a lot of money. So I like just keep me out of the money spending huh. part of. I mean, so Sandy. So I, I guess we're like a lot of middle class people in the world. It's like you're getting by. You're, but it's 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 tight enough that it's not an enjoyable experience to spend a lot of time thinking about it. Yeah, I you mean, know? we've had. I guess we've had a lot of conversations about, you know, how difficult it is to actually be, you know, rich as it were. We've, we've, we've spoken about that quite a few times. To be the point where you can just kind of spend money freely and yeah. not have to worry about stuff and just like, yeah. And I think the definition we came out, like, what does it mean to be rich? Is like, if you can't afford like a beach house or a, a, a chalet and, and, eat, and I'm able to afford it with easily, easily, you know, you can't have a second home. You're probably not. You're not rich. Right. You may be comfortably well, you, you know, you're, you're, you're comfortable but that's the minimum. That's the that's entry level. That's what we call entry level rich. But I mean, we're not talking about like obviously, you if you wanted, you could be on social welfare and really happy, and you could be really rich in spirit. And you know, we're we're just talking about <laughs> whatever that. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Okay, I'm rich in spirit. Okay, <laughs> we're yeah. just talking. You know, we're talking about talking. like the kind of you know the hard cold box. Yeah, kind of, so I'm just sorry, yeah. yeah. Look, I'm just talking the hardcore reality yeah. of stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, um, anyway, so. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, but just to illustrate that, yeah, at the, at the event, Sandy was, I was like, I don't really want to vent anything, but you know, we like, so Sandy, you know, we, she bought like two raffle tickets for a couple hundred bucks and I think we donated, we donated another 500. I mean, we spent probably a thousand dollars donate and we donated like a thousand dollars on top of all of the time and money effort. She's so com- relative to our net income. I think we did. I think we, you know, I do generous. find myself thinking about charity. Like, I mean, it, it's something that's been kind of creeping up on me over the last few years. Maybe it's as I head towards 50, right? 44 now, mm-hmm. you know, 45 in February. And I just kind of think, you know, there's a point where I should probably start taking that seriously and like find ways to put back through charity or whatever. Because I haven't really done that. You don't give to any charities? Well, I mean, I, I kind of do, you know, a few, but I don't really take it to the proper extent that I should. So I don't know if, 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 if there was a case when someone was really, you know, talking to me about it, like, you know, chugger, you know what a chugger is? Uh-uh. Charity mugger? No. I don't you know, know, it's like you're walking down Pasadena and then someone who has like a charity board. 
Oh. They'll, they'll basically come, they won't let you get past them until right. they... They were outside, always outside the Apple store in Pasadena. Yeah, right. So we call them chuggers in, okay. in England, charity muggers. But I mean, yeah, I've been... There's a few times I've, I've gone, you know, I've, I've given. But it's, it's not really like what I personally was interested in or thinking about or, you know, well, look, stuff I cared about. I, you mean, know what I mean, you don't have... You haven't had that much extra income that you can really right. donate any significant amount. Right. I mean, so I don't, I think when you get a position where you, where you're like, okay, you know, we don't have credit card debt. We have enough money to pay bills. We ha- we are saving enough money for retirement. Like you, you get that stuff mostly in check. You know, you can, you can start giving to charity. I mean, yeah, you can give 20. I mean, like we, even, even when we don't have any money, we'd still give like $30 a year to like the parks record, the parks society, what it takes care of the parks in California, whatever. I have a, a few, few things, things like that. that. Yeah. That's sort of cool. Yes. But, um, you know, I mean, look, the reason that we gave so much to Young and Healthy is Sadie's involved with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, this is something she's involved in. She's part, and she's like, look, I'm the chair of the gala. Like, she gives, she's the one who gives up and gives the big speech at the beginning. I mean, she's, so it's like, for us not to give, that would, it's a little bit of, that would suck, yeah. And I don't think, not that anyone's really checking or anyone would know, but I think it's just, you know, yeah. It's just part of doing your part, right? Anyway. You know, we, we haven't done any tech like links or whatever. whatever. Yeah, well, I don't know, whatever. Um, so, well, the one thing I really want to talk about is, uh, the thing is, on time is the math team. Oh, math I team. Talk, I mean, You've got the math, math team madness. I do. I do have the madness about the fourth grade math team. Yeah, okay. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's like, but that's, of, of everything, that's what's Of everything, you. that's what I have been thinking about the most over the last few weeks. So when you're working out and you're like doing an hour's worth of treadmill, you're late, sleeping at night. You're thinking, thinking about the math team. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Wow. That's what I'm thinking about. I am most excited about. Um, so we're having, I've, I finally got, I finally got just about everyone's email address of all the parents, which was no easy task. Cause one thing that happens with the way information is disseminated in schools with kids yeah. is the teacher's, hand something to the kids and the kids are supposed to take it home to their parents and show it to them. And if it's really important, the parents are supposed to sign it and the kid has to bring it back in. It's what I, what I call kid mail. <laughs> and I tell you, there is nothing as unreliable in this world as kid mail. It is a nightmare. It's like an internet packet traveling through, I don't know, some remote part of Romania or There's something. There's like a 50-50 shot isn't even going to get through. <laughs> and you right. have no way of knowing, you know. And you ask the kids, you have to write, oh, yeah, I give it. And like, really? Oh, yeah. Or, or, or your own kid gets home and you're like, do you have anything for me? you have anything? Oh, no. Okay, thanks. Nothing. <laughs> and, then, and then you find out the phrase, like, why didn't you give that permission slip for the field? Like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Kid mail. It is a nightmare. That should be the title of this show. Kid mail. Well, okay. <laughs> it sucks. So, and it really, it, 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 the unreliability of it really Came, it was demonstrated to me when, now that we've started teaching class, this the mathing class or whatever, you know, what do you want to call it? And I, um, I wanted to schedule an information night with the parents because I said I need. I, I thought you know we need to get these parents in and really sit down and explain what the vision is for this thing. This isn't just for one math meet. Okay, that's just what got the team together. What I want to do is accelerate these kids two or three years ahead in math over a couple years and and, and, and compete in a bunch of different competitive national math competitions yeah. so i've talked about that so but you really need to get the parents in and sit down for like an hour and say look here's this is who we are this is why we think this is important can't you go to the school and get that it. what can't you can't you just get the parents information from the school no they can't give it out like that so so you have to give a note to the kid well what i did is i sent it out to the kids well 
we initially had permission slips to the kids given to the kids, and the parents were, you know, was a place for them to put their email address. But they didn't. Only talk about half of them gave us their email address. Oh, they just signed it and signed their, you know, in their name or whatever, just signed it really. And so we only had, and then some of the email addresses where you couldn't read the writing, so they, we had the wrong email address. <laughs> so I sent an email out to half of them, and like a third of them bounced back. And I'm like, great, oh you know. And then, and so, and we have kind of a diverse group socioeconomically. So I'm like, do these parents have emails? You know, I mean, right. you're like, what? Well, not everyone actually has email. Or they have a computer, they have internet access. Well, everyone yeah. has a cell phone. They may have a cell phone. So you could do group email. text. You could potentially do that, but that's not very easy to disseminate any information other than like, reminder, this is happening. I mean, you have, you need, you, sometimes you need to get like a lot more information out. This is what's Just going group on. text the short link. Yeah. Well, if they don't have internet access, it doesn't really matter. Oh, I guess. On the cell phone, phone. Yeah. phone. Yeah. Well, anyway, that, the point is I wanted to get, you know, the, get this, get this thing organized. You know, I need to get the parents to come in and, and, and explain what the whole plan is. And Were you able to do it? I finally got everyone's email except for one. <laughs> so Katie has yet to bring it in. <laughs> like Katie, you have to. How did you do it? Like so, it's just like you. It's like it's like internet packets. It's like you try and try again until the packet gets through. Right? I um. Well, the, all the people had bad emails. I had a phone number for them, so I called and left a message. Said, "Hey, you know, my name's Jason Roberts. I'm coaching the with your math team, mm-hmm. and we're really trying to get parents together for information night. But I need an email address. See about it. So finally, I got in touch with all of them. And some of it was a little difficult because, you know, one mom was Korean and didn't speak very good English and, and a couple didn't speak very good. They were Hispanic and didn't speak very good English. So it was a little, you know, the conversation was a little difficult. But yeah. finally got it through. Luckily, everybody's really enthusiastic, excited. So um, finally, we're going to get everyone on Thursday night. And so I can, you know, sit down and say, okay, this is the plan. Because, you know, like I talked to one of the moms this morning because I, I sent an email out and I said, look, you know, here every week we're signing drills on adapted mind which is like a online math drill yeah. platform and i i logged in and i noticed that like about three of the kids had never even logged in after a week we had signed we had two we assigned for tuesday and thursday so they hadn't logged in at all and another two or three hadn't made much progress and i was like you know i'll bet these parents aren't even aware of what this is and it's because when we initially had um, assigned it the previous week or something, and then when I came in, when I was gone last week, and Sandy uh, up in San Francisco, and Sandy was teaching the class, I said, "Did you ask the kids about the drills?" And a couple of them claimed that they forgot their username or password, or they didn't log, couldn't log in, or just you know dumb kid stuff, right? And so I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> I need to get this information to the parents. Here's their username. Here's a login. They need to be doing this." I, here are the drills that they should have done. And this is going to happen on Thursday. You're going to give them this. No, I already gave this. I already emailed them all. Oh, okay, oh, great. I sent an email to everyone except for Katie's parents because I don't okay. have her contact. If I, <laughs> but, um, you know, 17 out of 18 ain't bad. And um, anyway, so one of the moms, one of the girls, she's like, she's like, you know, um, Sophia wants to drop because she just has so much going on. She's like, wants to go to class Tuesday, Thursday, but she just, the homework she feels too much. And um, I was like, okay. I said, here's the deal. I said, first of all, um, what we need to do is we need to get get it so the kids don't have to do the regular math and work because these kids are almost mastered the entire fourth grade curriculum, and we're doing more advanced stuff. Um, or I said, but if I said if we can't get the teachers to accept that, or we can't get some school wide policy that that's okay, I said, here's what we do. We just tell we just told the teacher, look, we're only going to make Colby do the hardest version of each math problem and if he gets it right he's done 
I'm not going to make him do 10 long division problems. Here's the hardest one. You get it. You're done. And so that's fine. And so instead of spending 30 to 40 minutes doing homework, math homework, he does 10 minutes and he's done. There's yeah. no point. There's, there's no, the science has proven there that math problem solving doesn't improve understanding in a short period of time. Right. Okay. You, once you get it, doing 10 more doesn't make, doesn't make a difference. All it does is make your kids suffer and resent doing it. Yeah. And so I told her, I said, so you might want to try that. Don't make her do all the stupid long division. Just tell the teacher, look, if Sophia's getting straight A's. So that's like the second worst case scenario. She's getting straight A's and cut her homework into 10 minutes rather than like an hour's worth of homework. Yeah, regular 30 homework. to 40. Just have And then do, she goes on an adaptive. And then she, has a, then she can spend the next tw- 20 minutes doing our stuff. Right, it's the same amount she's always had, but our stuff is more interesting and more challenging for her because, like, it it doesn't help these kids to do like multiplication problems all day long. These you sent this in an it. email. Uh, I sent you know I actually just sent that one to me. I'm going to send them a longer version of this the email because I need to get this across to the parents. Well, th- so this is going to be as well on the Thursday night. Thursday, and I'm going to yeah. really talk about. It. Say, okay. listen, I mean, this is what we've tried with her. You can do what you want, but the thing is, you don't want to burn the kids out. Mm-hmm. Because these kids are smart and they're not going to, it's not going to take them long to get, figure out that they're getting a raw deal. It's like, so, so they're going to think, okay, so what you're telling me is two lunches a week, I'm not going to have lunches run around, I'm going to go to another math class and I have to do twice the math homework. Mm-hmm. After a while, they're like, you know, even if they enjoy the class, it's fun, they're going to be like, this is just too much. Yeah. And so I need to nip that in the bud and say, look, we need to make this work to the fair deal for the kids. They shouldn't have to do more work. Well, the principal already said, yeah, he's on board. So it's just a question of... Yeah, it's just kind of disseminating yeah. the information to the teachers yeah. and just getting them to be like, okay, it's cool. Look, my top one or two students in my class are going to not have to do homework and then they can actually work on our homework during the class or something. Yeah, but I guess that's going to be a tough sell. But the, from the teacher's point of view, how are they going to not let the rest of the class know that these kids don't have to do the homework? Well, they say, look, they, they, these, you know, that's the way it works in life, dude. The people who place out of stuff do other stuff. Right. You know, it's just how it works. And that's what I was explaining to the kids. I'm like, you know, and I was trying to explain to her mom, I'm like, listen, uh, I was like, you do not want Sophie to drop because she feels like she's doing home, too much homework in the short term. I think we can solve that problem. I said, but if she looks up in a year or two and the rest of these kids are two or three years ahead of her in math and she knew she could have done it. And she didn't because she had, she was feeling a little overburdened for a while in fourth grade. I mean, she's going to, it's a, it's a bad decision. I mean, cause she has the capability to do this and, um, it's going to be more fun. Is that the same Sophie as Catalyst? No. Sophie, it's different. A different yeah. You know, that the Sophie and Catalyst is in like seventh grade and goes right. to a different school. But, um, anyway, so this kind of information you have to get to these parents. And he says, the thing is interesting. So I, I bought a bunch of books on, uh, like on the fourth grade math books, the yeah. Singapore math and the jump math series, and then some books from the art of problem solving, which is geared towards really challenging math competitions. And that's, that's the art of problem solving is really going to be like after another year when these kids have mastered more material. But um, looking at um, Singapore and jump math, it was still like these math books are geared towards a regular kid. They're geared towards a kid that has 100 IQ. Not for kids who have 135 plus IQ. And therefore, it's not really appropriate for them to go at that speed, right? I mean, you know, an IQ of, say, 130 means that you have the, sort of essentially the the mental ability of a 13-year-old while being 10. If you had 140 IQ, it would be a 14-year-old 10. So these have these kids have an average IQ. Uh, it's probably I mean I'm just guessing they at least have an average IQ of 130, which is minimum to get into gate, gifted and talented. So maybe up to 140 or plus. 
So you have 13, 14-year-olds doing long division problems. Right. It's stupid. That's why Colby gets his homework done in 10 minutes. He's like, all right, can I'm done? Can I go now? <laughs> I mean, it's like it's silly. And, and to have them do it. But it makes sense from a school and district level to focus most of your attention on the meat of the curve. So you have a couple kids at the very top who breeze through it and get A's. They'll take care of it. It'll take care of itself. You know, we're focused on getting the kids in the middle tier, making sure they're doing well, and the kids who are just who are below that, getting them above that minimum level. I like that expression, meat of the curve. I haven't heard that before. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so you just, you want to, and so they just don't have a lot of resources for this, right? From a numbers game, it doesn't make sense. If you figure, if you figure all kids are equally important, then they're, they're going to say, how can we get the most kids doing well? Well, that's fine on a, on a, on a, on a large a group level, but as an individual parent, you're like, okay, so my kid is doing work that's three years behind what he probably should be doing. I mean, the, 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 the goal for uh, the optimal situation for any educator and any parent is to have their kid working at the limit of their potential, mm-hmm. realizing their potential. What is your potential? And it was funny, I was telling a couple of uh, friends of mine when I was up in San Francisco, and they were like, dude, if that existed when I was a kid, I would have loved that. He's like, I just remember being so bored out of my mind in math class. I mean, that's like, I don't mean to throw in an ad here, but that's exactly what did you do is, right? It allows kids to move at their own pace. Exactly what did you do is, yeah. Yeah. So you got it. So I, so I was looking at these math books and I'm thinking, okay, so these are good math books, but it's still going to be, we're just going to blow through these things. I'm just mm-hmm. looking at the stuff and like, they just go so slowly, like here's a fraction. Here's how we think about a fraction, this and that, you know, for these kids, you don't have to explain it to them 19 times. They already got it. They, they, yeah. They show it to them two, three ways and they get it. And then you give them a few times and they're ready to go. It was funny. Cause I'm sitting there yesterday with Colby, you know, kind of sitting through, I kind of wish I had to make sure he finishes adapted mind drills. And I'm like, I'm like, it, you would get like your rookie badge, like your minimum badge of like you will pass this after you've gotten like six in a row or eight in a row, right? And so Kobe goes to and he gets six or eight in a row and he's like, can I go now? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, just do 10. I mean, just, you just do 10. I mean, I, I feel like six is like a little slim, you know? He's like, oh, you know, you know, and he would just knock them out. But it's just funny. The kids, these kids are quick. So you just can't bore them to death. But you know what was really funny I discovered? Colby has not mastered, memorized all of his multiplication tables to 12. But he's so quick at calculating that he fooled us into thinking, into us thinking that he just memorized them. I see. He would calculate them. It was weird. It would like, so it's in a sense, it's like a, you, you think data is cached because the database is so fast. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the, cal- nice. the calculation, or rather, better, better fit, the calculation engine is so quick you thought the numbers were cached. So that, so that could be the reason why he, you know, you said sloppy before. There was certain sloppiness aspects. Maybe it's just because he hadn't memorized the... Exactly. The well, see, the thing is, if you're doing a series of complicated, you're doing a problem, you're doing a lot of it in your head, the more pieces of it that you have to do in your head and think about, the harder it is to keep the whole problem in your head without right, losing yeah. track of something yeah. or, mis- or, 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 or mismatching parts of the solutions, pieces of the solution and adding together wrong, whatever. So, and I told Colby, I'm like, dude, if you have to calculate eight times nine in your head as part of your long division problem that you're doing in your head, if you just immediately know that's 72 as opposed to going, okay, so wait, nine times 10 is this, let's subtract 18, you know, whatever. I mean, then you're going to be that's me that much faster. It's like you're you're straining your brain to do pieces of it. You should just know it. So uh, how are you going to teach him that? Is there a well for Colby? I just started going through. I'm like, all right, let's just start. I'm going to find out what you don't have memorized. Yeah. And so I'd be like, all right, Colby, 
what's seven times six? And he'd be like, seven times? I'm like, no, don't repeat it. I want you to say immediately what it is. Because he would calculate it. <laughs> and I'd be like, don't calculate it. Do you have it memorized? <laughs> I was like, what is, as Sandy said, what is it's kind of like, I've got, this, I've got this vision. It's like you're playing Minesweeper with Colby, right? You uh-huh. can put this metrics on this kind of axis thing on the wall and just kind of shove a pin in a square and say, okay, Colby, give me. And so you can find out that way, which he has and which he That's doesn't. That's what I'm doing. I'm just yeah. kind of going through and I'm finding, okay, you don't have this memorized. These are the ones you're calculating. So he's, he is somewhat memorized and he does calculation and interpolation type of things in his, uh, uh, you know, in his head. Huh. And, I, and I'm getting the impression that some of the kids are like that, that they just haven't fully memorized all the multiplication tables, but they're quick enough that they can, cal- that they fold But is that the best way to teach them, to teach them to remember that? Like, is there, is there other methods? I, I was reading about last night. I mean, in the end of the day, it just comes down to you just kind of got to drill it. I mean, there's different ways of drilling it, and there's flashcards and different ways of doing it. But I think you just kind of have to, I don't know, you just got to memorize it. And, okay. But the thing is, so the reason I, no, I noticed that I don't think the kids had memorized it is because I was asking them to factor. What are, we're going to do the prime factorization of this number. So we're going to break down and like, okay, uh, let, prime factor, give me two numbers, two factors of 72. And they're like sitting there and I'm like, nine times eight, you know? And they're like, so it's like a reverse lookup. Yeah. Had 72 been in their brain about nine times eight. They, they would be able to, do, to work it back, yeah. They would be, oh, they would pop their head, but they're kind of sitting there for a second because they couldn't calculate in reverse. It wasn't yeah. ca- a cash lookup for them. Right. And I'm like, you little stinkers have memorized your multiplication tables. This is third grade math. Right. <laughs> so we're going to have to, I'm going to have to, so I'm thinking I'm going to have to, um, I might do a little test. How much have you have you personally memorized in terms of the times table? Like, oh, hundred percent. I mean, ever since. No, I grade. mean, I know, but do you go up to a hundred? No, uh, twelve. I mean, so in America, in American school system, generally you go, you memorize up to twelve times twelve that whole table, and then everything else you kind of figure. We don't do like thirteen times fourteen. Like people don't really have that memorized. You know, might go well. Fifteen times fifteen is like two fifty-five or something. I mean, like you know, you kind of, and then like of course. Because we're in computers, we know that orders of two, like two to the to eighth or two, you know, we know it's 64. So is it because 12 by 12 is, um, you can just do pretty much most calculations if you know that? I think so. I mean, I, I don't know if, there, I don't know what the reasoning was, but I don't know if it was just like, well, we got to stop somewhere and that gives us the 80-20, you know, maybe yeah. if they, re- but um, uh, because then of course the table gets much, much larger, right? If you go 19 by 19 or something, yeah. it's a much larger table and it may not for the, be for that much gain. So, um Anyway, so the one thing I want to say about it, so, uh, and I decided I want to make these things more fun, more game-like. I don't want the kids to feel like it's a class yeah. so much. So what we're going to do tomorrow is we're going to do Math Jeopardy. I think every Tuesday is going to do Math Jeopardy. So <laughs> what we do is categories, probability, geometry, algebraic expressions, fractions, you know, whatever. And then there'll be like the different le- difficulty levels and we'll get points. We'll put people in teams of twos. So we two-man, two-person teams. And we'll get points and we'll like go, th- go through it and like have them solve it. And like, I was thinking maybe what we'll do is the first three people, you know, once you, once you, once, you, once we have three teams raise their hand, they've got it, then they have an opportunity to get points. And then we'll, nice. Like that. I'm thinking that'd be kind of fun. And then of course, we yeah. give out like Jolly Rain, they give out like candy for the teams to win or whatever. <laughs> nice. Well, I was talking to the gate coordinator this morning and she's like, and I told her my concerns about making the kid, getting the kids burned out because of doing their regular homework and wanting to make things fun. She's like, yeah, actually, next year we're going to do an ice cream party at ours. And I said, yeah, I think we could use an ice cream party. Like, you have to, look, kids could, I mean, they could just as well say, I'm not going to do it. 
I'm not going to do anything. And that's one thing that I was reading about, like, gifted and talented programs, like the history. I was working on Wikipedia on Gate, and they were talking about how one of the problems with gifted kids is what, the, what teachers end up doing is just giving them more work. Well, smart kids start realizing pretty quickly that it's, it's not good to be smart because then you just have to do more homework, which you mm-hmm. don't really want to do. Yeah. So you have to like make it a fair deal. It's like, okay, you're not, you're going to do, not going to do more homework, you're do different homework. And by the way, even from doing different homework is harder, we're going to make it more fun and you have ice cream party. You know, it's, it's, it's not a penalty. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So you have to think like that. I mean, you have to treat the kids fairly and be like, you know, it's like, I see one with Colby. It's like, look, I'm not trying to punish you, kid. Like, I don't want to make, I'm not make you suffer. You know, I just, I just don't want you to spend the next four years doing long division problems. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's stupid. Yeah. That's really cool. So anyway, um, that's, I'll, I'll leave it on that. I'm just, I have the, I've had the madness. You've had, no, you sound like you have, yeah. You know, I just want to get it set, uh, uh, squared away organizationally. I want to get all the parents bought in. I want the kids dialed in. I want it to be fun. I want it to be efficient. And I, I just feel like, you know, look, I think we can just blow these kids through two, three years of math, no problem, and, and have them complete 100% mastery, and then also make their problem-solving skills just off the charts. Awesome. Well, did you, ha- did you um, have any bookmark links or any other you know, dark stuff. side stories. Or... Yeah, I got all kind of stuff. Let me see a whole bunch of notes. Let's see. I eat them. I'm emailed them to myself. Okay. So here's one. That I just, I, I actually didn't get a chance to read the article, but it just, um, I saw it. And it made me think of something. There's an t- article called engineers don't talk. So I don't even know what the t- title of the top of the article is exactly. I, so it was other than it was on hacker news, mm-hmm. but I was thinking about that to, uh, when I was up at Uber, I was actually, I was talking to, um, Kevin, who runs like the the data sciences group, yeah, or no, he runs applied research. Now there's data sciences and like applied research have turned into two divisions. Yeah, and uh, he's like, uh, you know, talking about how people in in engineering don't know what other people in engineering work on, working on. Nobody really knows. I mean, it's just there's so much going on now. It's hard to keep track of what people are working on. Yeah, and what's interesting and whatever. And I was like, you know, what would be cool is to create like a hacker new an internal hacker news where you are submitted uh there were only links to stuff that you're working on that are interesting like you just write like a blurb like hey blood did this this and this and people could upvote and download it <laughs> and and just like you know interesting project that people are working on the things that they're doing you know and that would keep everybody and you could have a little you know a little discussion thing it was just like hacker news called uber news you know and it'd just be the engineering i mean you know what you should do like if you want to make that happen really fast just tell one of your one of the ju- the junior devs. Mm-hmm. Just say do that, and just use. I mean, Hacker News is an open source script, mm-hmm. and you literally you can, you can just like clone it from Git and like that, just change Hacker News to Uber News, and it will exist on a domain somewhere, and you'll have it. Yeah, yes, but well, we have yeah, all those internal stuff. So I was thinking that would be really good inside of corp in companies like that, mm-hmm. right? Just kind of because you don't want to like. People can look through and see what they're interested in. Because, you know, they send these broadcast emails of all this stuff. And people are like, blah, I, whatever. It feels like homework. When you get an email, it's like homework. Yeah. Right? If it's like, I can go to this and just see a list of all the most interesting stuff. I can, you know, see the stuff that's been voted up the most and most commented on. And, you know, maybe there's like a, a sub, a tag, whatever. It's like, well, which group, which departments is going to be some data sciences, is some real time, some analytics. I mean, who's, what, what does this belong to? Yeah. And uh, who did it? And Whatever, I just thought that would be kind of a cool way to keep everybody kind of up to date on what's going on and excited about some stuff that's going on. And also knowledgeable to say like, oh, I want to work on that. Because, you know, you can move teams, right? Like you So you want to build something like this? I was just thinking it should exist inside Uber. I mean, I'm not going to build it. I don't have time for it. Um, I mean, I'd- Is the Hacker News interface good enough for you? Sure. Just get someone to do it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, they, they'll set it up for you in an afternoon. Well, in, yeah. in an I, hour. I, 
I'm going to tell Kevin about that. I, yeah. I mean, it's cause he, he might, I mean, I don't really know who I actually, I talked to Curtis. He's the VP. I'm going to say, hey, you should do this. You should give it a shot. Have one of the, have one of well, the, with, with 110 it. engineers, it does sound like a great idea. Yeah. I mean, when you got that many freaking people. Yeah. 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 I like and, that. uh, yeah, I mean, there's, because there's a lot of institutional knowledge that's not being shared between groups because you don't have time. There's mm-hmm. no incentive to it. They're working on what they're working on, right? Their team talks about what they're doing. Um, there might be some like, hey, this feature's got rolled up, but the mobile guys may not be aware of what these other people are working on so much or, or whatever. And, and they may have like, you know, sometimes great ideas because are, are the result of synthesizing information from other things that are going on around you. Yeah. If you don't know what's going on around you, you're not going to synthesize those new ideas and say, hey, you know what? I see you guys are doing this and we're doing some other stuff. We should put this together and do this other cool thing. Oh, I right? totally agree. I mean, just the cross-pollination aspect of it is a very good idea. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we'll send an email up there to, to Curtis and see if we get something going like that. Sweet. So, um, Tesla completes LA to New York electric model S drive chargers. So, you can drive all the way from LA to New York. Okay. So, that's not that they've created a battery that lasts that long it's that they've created the supercharger highway network the, there are enough superchargers yeah. you can get all the way yeah okay to new york la yeah. to new york that's a pretty long way that's what two thousand miles how many miles is it across america you know 1500 I, I don't know and i i can't remember but they also there's another article that said tesla expands supercharger network in europe so like i think it was like in germany or something like you could get most places in germany Oh, really? Something like that. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I have a link to, I, you know, I blinked out on it. Oh, 2,782 miles. That's tough. From New York to LA? Yeah. Yeah. 2,700 miles. Whoa. Yeah. So like, you know, it's like all these, all the kind of the naysayers like, well, you know, you're limited by the distance you can charge and this and that. It's like, it's such short-term thinking. Mm-hmm. And people have these short-term views of all of these things, you know, we, we keep going over this. I don't want to be that horse, but people do it about Tesla and they do it about, um, you know, uh, Bitcoin and other things that they, they, they see these short limitations, but the short limitations are, sh- are these near-term limitations are near-term limitations. They're really things that are, can be easily solved. And if people, if enough people are interested in it, it will push past those things, but maybe not easily solved. They can be solved. It be solved. But like the network it's, thing is solved. I mean, I guess it's not easy to build a network across America. I mean, that's that took are, some some kind of. Uh, yeah. I, what I mean by easily is not that it's easy in the sense that they're going to have it up in six months. It's not going to cost anything, but there's nothing limiting it. It's not like it's it's going to cost five trillion dollars. Yeah. Take 200. It's not like saying, oh, it would be like it would be hard to create a a na- nationwide. um uh, high speed, like you know, what's that? The uh, oh, the loop that, that that would be hard. That would be much harder. That would be much harder, <laughs> right? But putting these little chargers that sit on the edge of these parking lots that you barely notice throughout the country, it's not that hard. Mm. You know, I remember when you and I were speculating about what these like supercharger stations were. We were speculating, we're like, like, oh, it's gonna be like a, it's gonna yeah, be like a coffee a mall. Like, it's gonna have it, all the. And it yeah. turned out it was like the corner of some. Right in the middle of like all these like restaurants and hotel motels, like it was a corner of a motel parking lot and kind of with some breeze blocks around it and like you know yeah. half falling apart. It was just not. It was just like two little like oh oh you can park there and oh there's like a little thing you plug in like that's it. It's no big deal. It's a parking space. <laughs> and you realize that that's all it needs to be. You're like okay. Anyway, it's just um, I just keep running into that. I just yeah. it's funny. I feel I feel that the the um. 
you know, but there's no hard and fast rule. It's like some things are legitimately hard to pull off and unlikely to succeed. But, um, well, I, I mean, Bitcoin has some some more stuff to uh, to get past. Like, for example, the arrests of the two people. Did you see that? Yeah, but do you know that they were facilitating transactions of the Silk Road? Did you read up on it? Yeah, that was that was it. Yeah, that, so, so it wasn't just that they were operating exchanges. Guys at Bit 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 Instant or Bit Stand. It's it's because some of the exchanges that they did was with uh, illegal. Yeah, it was with Silk Road, yeah. but it was they were. I was reading on Hacker News. They pasted an excerpt from, I guess, the um, the indictment or whatever it was, not, yeah. or whatever the, the charge was. That basically they were they knew what was going on with Silk Road. They, they knew facilitating it. They were they were helping the guy get around um, some anti money laundering um, checks within the system and things like that. Like it wasn't like, oh, we're operating a cryptocurrency exchange. Cryptocurrencies are are inherently are are used for. Uh, the sale, the transaction of drugs and other illicit activity. Uh, therefore, this person is um, a co-conspirator in right. Some okay. Crime. It's okay. not like that. Like they, they really knew what was. Yeah. I mean, they, that, that's it. That's what what the the authorities are saying. They knew it. Is that, knew. that that's what you're saying, right? Yes, that they know. They're well aware of yeah, what okay. stuff, and they were profiting off of it, and they were facilitating it. And uh, at least that's the claim. I mean, obviously. We'll find out more about it. But, you know, when we write the headline, they write the headline, U.S. makes Bitcoin exchange arrests, okay? Which would give the impression to people who don't know a lot about this that they're just arresting, that Bitcoin or Bitcoin exchanges are somehow illegal. Maybe it's a good thing because, you know, Bitcoin goes down to 750 and it hasn't been anywhere near there for a long time. <laughs> so it's a good chance to buy. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It depends. It's if you fundamentally believe in this stuff, you know, then when things take a drop, that's when you buy. It's like when Tesla took a, when it went up to like 70 and then it dropped down to 30 or whatever. Yeah. That's when I, you know, Sandy and I loaded up on as much as we could. Mm-hmm. It was like you, you occasionally get these blue light specials, you know, or it's just like time to buy. Yeah. And uh, that's what you're looking for. Like you don't, when stuff starts taking off, you don't chase it with everybody else. There will be opportunities where it'll drop. And, you know, maybe if it doesn't drop for a long time, you might buy a little bit just in case it doesn't drop. But if you have patience, there's, there'll be usually opportunities when stuff will fall back to earth and you can buy it up cheap. And that's why, as I met, said in the last show, you want to have be liquid because those opportunities come. You're like, oh, man, I can buy everything cheap, but I, I spent all my money uh, buying crap. I don't have any money. You know? <laughs> I spent all my money on breakfast in bed. <laughs> that's right. I spent all my money on breakfast in bed, you know. So, exactly. You have to just decide what's more important to you. If it's more important to have breakfast in bed, then spend my breakfast in bed. Um. <laughs> so um oh i finally got an email back from that high frequency trading firm in uh, Liechtenstein. oh you did i did it was like was it uh, so so i said and you one, were so you were mad at those guys i, I was i was i i i said i thought it was disrespectful not yeah. to reply to an email i mean generally i think it's not i i think it's disrespectful not to send an email within like a couple a day or two mm-hmm. you know, depending on the nature of the relationship but if there's a potential business relationship and you're back and forth, you're in Skype and then you don't reply on email for like a week or two. That's yeah. kind of like, that's not cool. And then when you don't spend it for a couple months and they're like, you're just asking like, Hey, what's the status? You know, I mean, it's kind of, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, so I initially sent an email to them, right? Like a couple days after Thanksgiving. And then I sent one like maybe a month after that, just as a follow up, say, just like, what you know, what just, happened? Just curious. What happened? Yeah, I, said, you guys curious, really yeah. I said, yeah, I, Hey, I'm, you know, I understand you guys have probably gone a different direction, um, but I'm just curious what happened. You guys, you guys seem really excited about working together. So let me guess, 
Can I make a guess as to what they said? I'm going to predict that they've got back in touch with you because the other guy was an idiot and it completely fell through. And after, after wasting the last month or two months with this other idiot, they finally realized they were speaking to the right person in the first place. <laughs> and now they've come back to you and they're super nice and super charming. <laughs> no, but that sounds like the version of like, <laughs> like, you know, like a girl breaks up with you and like, she's going to come crawling back to me. <laughs> she's going to realize, oh, you were the one. I was so wrong, right? That's the fantasy. No, uh, actually, he just said, it was like a, two cents email. He says, Hey, no, nothing changed. It's just, um, we decided to go to, uh, in the short run, just, um, work on, make use of some, in, uh, internal resources. And, uh, but we're going to be in touch because we would like to work together. <laughs> so I don't know. Whoa. I don't know. It was weird. I, but I, it was just, uh, I think it's for him. It's not smart. If there are people you think you might want to work with, you need to be somewhat responsive to their, yeah, you need to keep the kettle on the boil you know say hey you know or if you're not interested like to just say i'm i'm like uh, we're, we're we're gonna start it's gonna take us a month or two to sort this out we'll be in touch it's all thanks yeah exactly i don't know why i don't know why people find that difficult um because you figure if you're gonna contact somebody who's experienced and has skill they have other options right yeah. and so they're not <laughs> they're not beggars right so it's like it doesn't you know, sound like they're being very analytical about it yeah i, I was sort of surprised you know whatever anyway that i just just to close that loop because uh i thought it was kind of interesting I, I was a little surprised to hear from him. i'm like wow it is nice to have it closed it's like a it's like been a thread that was never tied up yeah you're like i just want to know um okay oh uh so there was this great video uh interview with actually it was a uh, Recording it was on YouTube. It was just a audio, but it was it was Richard it was Richard Feynman yeah. talking about how essentially how he became such a great problem solver mm-hmm. because he's just known for that, right? Like yeah. he was just an amazing at that. Like he he won the first Putnam competition, which is like the I think it was the first one it was in um which is the it's like I think a five or six math problems. It's it's at the it's in the college level. So a math teams from each of the colleges compete and there's like five or six problems. But he's he, he's not alive anymore, is that correct? Oh he passed yeah. away in I think like eighty eight or eighty nine. Okay. Yeah. Like eighty eight, yeah. So he's the one for people to know he's a great mobile phys- prize winning physicist who um he was in charge of the computing group at the at the Manhattan Project at Las Alamos. He won the Nobel Prize for the quantum electric dynamic or quantum QED quantum electric dynamics. Oh, not too much then. And uh, he also is the one who figured out the uh, solved the, the Challenger disaster when the Challenger shuttle blew up. Right. And he's also the grandfather of one of the kids in our Catalyst yeah. programming class. <laughs> so anyway, um, I happened across this video. And so here's what he said about how he became such a great problem solver. So first of all, he always worked out puzzles. Like he, you know, there's kind of like those kind of curious like, okay, so you have two guys in a room and there's a third Guy in another room, and you know, some weird logic. Puzzle. That's like the IQ test kind of things, is it? No, not really. These are more just kind of puzzles, okay. sort of yeah. logic puzzles. And so he got so used to doing them, and everybody, and it's, so since he was kind of attracted to them, he got good at them. Yeah. And then, and then because he was known as the guy who could figure them out, people kept coming with him, and then he would stay on it, like he wouldn't give up trying to solve it. Like he, once he was posed the problem, he had to solve it. But then after a while, you start saying it's just the same version of the same problem, or you've already solved it. So it's like a kind of a feedback loop, like a rinse and repeat feedback loop. Because he was good at it, more people came to him with those problems. Okay, yeah. Right, right. So that was just then the second thing he said. Um, he, he they had they had an algebra team. So it wasn't called a math team; it was called an algebra team. Yeah. 
and I mean, he was in high school and he became the captain of it eventually. And he said that there was time. So you had to, they were really complicated algebraic manipulations that if you were really fast and good, you might be able to finish it in time or you had to look at it in a different way. There was a trick that if you <laughs> looked at it in just the right way, you might be able to figure it out without solving it. <laughs> and so he specialized in just trying to find the trick. Find the trick. And so that was one of the things. So working on that. So that helped a lot. He said, the other thing he said, when he was like 11, he, he had, he had an, a, a, trig- a book on trigonometry, which is normally taught in like um, 11th grade or something like that, 11th or 12th grade. Um, it's just kind of sine and cosine. Is what, what age is 11th or 12th? 16, 17. Okay, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. So it's, um, so anyway, uh, so 11 as opposed to being like fifth grade, mm-hmm. fifth and sixth grade. And so he, uh, he, I guess he said that he had the, 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 um, the, was it one of the, what it was, well, I guess it was one is about the, uh, one of the half angle, um, identity. So like basically sines and cosines and tangents, they all have relationships to one another mm. and you can get to one identity to another if you do certain types of manipulations and stuff like that. And he basically went out and, and figured out all the other different identities from this one identity on his own. He just like kept st- stuck on it. Like he wanted to figure out like create a real deep intuitive understanding of it. <laughs> and, um, that was one of the things that I read, I read this, uh, uh, Talk, I read about there's a transcription of this talk by um, uh, what's the guy Wolfram um, who he didn't just want to understand it he wanted to really understand he's like it. you want to develop an intuition for something mm. you don't want to just be able to do it like why is this it like you just can't have an intuitive feel you can feel it you know and he and he would always they when, one thing um, I forget the guy's first name Steve Wolfram said about him he said that he would always he would never want you to explain something to him he would always want to figure it out for himself his own way he'd want right, to build right. it up from scratch. Like, this is true. Why is this true? And so he would go and, and reprove it to himself. So he would develop so much more intuition about things than other people. It's like, oh, they would just go, this is the accepted way to do it. And I've did some problems. And so I know how to do it. He would build it up from scratch. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting doing it that way. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just thought, uh, cool. so that was the, um, oh, and the other thing that was funny. He said he, he, he didn't like the signs for, um, I think sine and tan and secant and log and stuff, you know, these different massive. So he invented his own symbols, <laughs> <laughs> which he thought worked better. And I thought that was a really funny thing. So he's, he's, he's doing this on his own. He's like, okay, I'm going to use different symbols and better. But he, and he's 11, 11, 12. Yeah. So he invents his own symbols. And <laughs> then, um, but then he said eventually later on when he was teaching it to students, I guess maybe he was in college or, or as a graduate student, or whatever he had to like, revert back to using normal note notation. Yeah. But it kind of reminds me of, of you and your own little programming. I know. And it's, it's so funny that you bring that up because we just had the discussion today and made the decision that we're going to move back to the other horrible way of doing the brackets, the K and R style versus the Ullman style. So I'm Ullman. I, I, you know, Ullman is what makes sense to me. It just seems logical to me that the brackets are on the same line, yeah. but the K and R you put the, you put the opening bracket at the end of the conditional statement. Anyway, we're moving back to that, and I'm just going to have to suck it. Are you going out with all of the rest of the things? Like, because you always put spaces in, on the inside of parentheses, and then you don't put space. We're, like, you put an F with no space, and then an open. We're moving to PSR. We're moving to basically full PSR standards. The standard yeah. terms. Yeah. yeah. And, we, and there's a program that fixes the entire code base and makes it PSR. So I used to do closer to Ullman style back in uh, early 2000s, I think around. 2005 <laughs> or six, six, I kind of made the switch. And I was equally like 
sort of stuck on it like you. Like I found, I thought it was illogical and I didn't like it. And in, but I eventually. You mean K and I moved to K and R. I yeah. moved to because I was doing JavaScript. And I noticed that all of the top JavaScript coders and their libraries, everybody's doing it that way. And so I, I just it's only so it's only so long that you can fight against the convention the the prevailing conventions and it just it becomes annoying because like my stuff doesn't match anything else that's out there it's like so but when i'm writing microsoft code when i'm writing .NET, everything is omen well not omen style everything else is the knr except for the brackets around the other on the same line right so i just go with that i just go with whatever the prevailing conventions are yeah and it's going to be painful i mean not even a little bit painful it's going to be really painful to just look at code like that because i hate it but the good news is that um the editor sublime. It kind of puts the little lines there, so at least you can kind of easily see the code. You know. Well, I can tell you from personal experience, it, it'll be painful first, but eventually it'll go away. It's just like when I moved to the Mac and I was in pain for about two months. Yeah. You remember? So the pain does go away. Yeah. We just remember how like I moved you to get a Mac. used to it, right? We we had that discussion about they put they, they put warped vision goggles on people and then yeah. you know yeah so you will get used to it and then you want you'll never notice and you won't even think about it and then you almost forget about it. It's yeah, just I like hope so. like I'm when I go to Windows now, I'm like now I'm a little unused to Windows. Because I've been using the Mac so long now. Yeah. But when I first moved the Mac, I was like, it was, it was, it was excruciating at first. <laughs> yeah. And you were just like, oh well, you could use it or just do this or that. And and remember how you were helping me do like these sort of cheats where it was sort of acted like Windows. There were certain right. shortcuts and stuff. That's probably the bad idea. It, it turned out to be a bad idea because yeah. I kind of um, it, it was just sort of better. So you need to learn the, the way that they do it. Just yeah. be just you're just gonna have to really suffer for like a week, and then you'll your hands will will learn it. All right. Well, um, so. I think we're we're coming to the beginning to oh, consider I, ending the show. I got a few I got a few more things though that are good. All right, well, Rick, have you got anything uh, fun yeah, or anything I think dark? So. I don't know. I got some stuff. All right, go on. I mean, I you think the stuff I'm bringing up is bad. No, it's no, great. Okay, it's great. I'm not that, that wasn't want... the value judgment. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, just yeah. Like, I got a I got a few different things actually. So um, not so much links as just things that I think would be fun to talk about. So. Um, Colby's StarMade design philosophy. You might find this fine, funny. Yeah. So Colby, there's two programs that Colby spends most of his time in. One is Kerbal Space Program, and the other is StarMade. StarMade is like Minecraft in space, where you design your own spaceships and space stations, and it's pretty elaborate. And, he, and it's, it's really like a 3D CAD system. You know, <laughs> that's a game, right? <laughs> Except he doesn't really play the competitive, he just builds stuff. That's really what he does. He just builds these. He's, he's built like these elaborate uh, Battlestar replicas, three hundred thirty meters. I mean, it's just it would take him days to, to do days. And when I say days, I mean he's on the computer all day long. It's not like oh, he gets an hour and a half computer time and it takes some days. I mean, like, he literally spends some probably takes him twenty hours of work over a few days. So anyway, so he's he's like you know he's always talking at me about it. You know, probably how like you and I talk to our wives about technology sometimes, <laughs> and they just kind of like uh huh, that sounds nice. So. He's like, Dad, so like, when we do your spaceship, should we like, you know, put, do you want turrets? Do you want it to be covered or do you not? He's like, and here's the trade-off. So he's going away with trade-offs. Do you want more shields or do you want it to be faster or do you want, you know, so he just goes, he's constantly giving me these different trade-offs for my spaceship. And I don't know if I talked about this last week, but I, I made, I pointed out to him because he's always building these spaceships. And I said, you know, Colby, when I was your age... Not well. First of all, I was in third grade when I was his age, not fourth grade. <laughs> and I said, but what I was doing was drawing fleets of spaceships. <laughs> I just drew like pages and pages of spa- like fleets of spaceships. Not and not even all of them that different. Just fleets of them, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like I was going to go to war or something, you know. <laughs> and uh, and he's like, 
He's like, well, draw me one of your spaceships and I'm going to make it in Starmate. And so I had to sit down nice. and I, and I kind of had to try and remember. It was like based on kind of Star Blazers. You remember Star Blazers? You're watching? No, I don't. Well, it was a, an animated um, uh, uh, science fiction thing where it's from, it was made in Japan. It was really good, actually. And it was like this foreign, this, this alien race sends these planet bombs that radiates the entire Earth's surface. And so the, 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 what's remaining of humanity has to go underground. Mm-hmm. And so we've realized that we have to, our only solution, we get some message from some other alien race that says, okay, we have to go to this planet to get this special material, and it's the only way that we can heal our Earth. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they outfit, the, outfits the, outfit this battleship, like a, like a water that goes on a water battleship, and they make it like a spaceship. And has a super powerful like a gun, uh, uh, like laser plasma weapon that shoots out the front called the wave motion gun. I mean, it's, it's super cool. <laughs> I think it's going to be weird, but it was awesome. <laughs> and the guy, the captain, was this old guy with a beard. He had like a captain's like a you know like a hat. You know, he actually looked like a like a guy, right. You know, yeah. And, and uh, it was like the only ship that wasn't destroyed. Every other ship is destroyed. So that was our last ship. So they send this off. So that's and it's the called whole Battle Star Blazers. Star Blazers. I yes. know. There's at least some people that show going, oh yeah that <laughs> it's awesome you can actually get them on netflix so and I, th- I may have mentioned this a few years ago on the show so anyway my sh- my ships were kind of based on that because that was my favorite show at the time yeah so i draw him what i remembered and so he just like lights up and he's like oh i'm building this so he goes off and he's building the whole thing and so then he i would go and i sit down next to him I'm like right where you know because he'd be like dad come take a look at this you know and so he's you know, these are 3D, these are 3D spaceships, right? So what he, what he did is he says, all right, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, create an outline of the hull, like one sort of like one sliver of the hull, you know, yeah. just the outline of it. And then I'm going to use a, use a symmetry, tool, symmetry tool to create both sides that match. And so he does it and I'm like, well, it looks kind of jagged, you know, because it has blocks. He's like, well, use wedges to fill that and make it smooth. <laughs> and I'm like, why don't you put the wedges in? He's like, Dad, it's way too early for that. You don't want to do that early because if it's wrong, we're going to rip them all out. <laughs> nice. I'm like, you just learned premature optimization. That's amazing. Like, that is the essence. No pixel pushing, right? And I, But the only way you learn that is by falling on your face, yeah. painting yourself into a corner, right? That's hilarious. Isn't that great? So then... I go, he, he's working on, I'm like, I'm like, well, how big is it going to be? He's like, well, it's going to be like 250 meters. It's going to be pretty big, but not giant. I'm like, why don't you make one that's like a thousand meters giant? He's like, dad, this is just a prototype. We got to get a prototype working first because if we don't, then it's like not going to work. And, you know, so we got to start with a prototype. <laughs> I'm like, that's right. That's absolutely right. That is amazing. I'm like, it's fantastic. this kid is learning large scale systems development on StarMate. <laughs> I mean, which is like amazing. It's like a 3D CAD system that he's, and I mean, he types so fast on it. It's all the shortcut keys. He's just like move around 3D, this version, that, this, this angle, this angle. I mean, it's, it's hilarious watching it. It's like, so, it's like watching Scotty. Remember Scotty on um, the first, the Star Trek when they go back to Earth and he has yeah. that old Mac interface. He's like, you know, going through all the different views and the guys look and just looking at him like, Jesus Christ, you know. That's awesome. So, so then I go up to San Francisco on, uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday morning I wake up and I have some Skype messages from him because he gets up at like 630 in the morning and gets yeah. on his computer and he's like, he's like, daddy, he's like, um, I tried to, t- I took a copy of the, uh, I took the file that contained the ship design and I wanted to 
open it in SM edit, which I think allows you to do some kind of more visual editing to it. He's like, but it somehow corrupted the file. So I have to rebuild the top and the back. He's like, it's okay. I can fix it. But he's like, but you remember how I said I was going to have it done on either Friday or Saturday? He's like, well, I don't think I have it done by then, but who's counting? (laughs) (laughs) And then with that little smiley face, I'm like, he's already doing expectation management. (laughs) He's already like, yeah, the ship date's going to slip, but who's counting, right? (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, like, so so it really is going to be not very long before he's building websites for money. Yeah, that's so funny. I I hopefully build something cooler than websites even. I mean, I, I was just... Anyway, it was just maybe he'll great. be building like uh, you know, uh, like three D three D MakerBot stuff. Like so, he'll he'll be a consult you know a consultancy for people like you know who want to get stuff built, but they just haven't got any idea how to how to do the CAD. And they'll be like, "Hey, kid, uh, you know, I want to get this like plastic teddy bear made." <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he'll be yeah. like, "Sure, no problem." <laughs> yeah, he likes the three D stuff, so we'll really um, that's great. Wouldn't uh, wouldn't surprise me. So the other thing I thought was kind of, well, one of the other things I thought was interesting. Um, I got an email this week from a guy who offered to offered me two hundred dollars to put a link to his website on my webpage about algorithmic trading. Yeah. So I have I had the one blog post why I quit algorithmic trading to do web startups, and it, for some reason it gets a ton of traffic, and I get emails from it all the time. Yeah. So he he runs an algorithmic website, and on I. I didn't write it down, but it's like you go to the website and say, you know, I'm going to subscribe to this algorithm and put money into it or whatever. And he's like, so he had sent me an email initially, but it was it was kind of more of like a form email. Like I could tell it wasn't that personal. So I just yeah. ignored it, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to reply to a, a spam email or whatever, or even a mass email like that. And then he emails me later. He's like, hey, I sent you an email. You never got back to me. No, pro- no hard feelings, but I, you know, I really like to, you know, we put a link, probably with $200 sound. And I was like, you know, nah, so I'm going to put ads on my site for 200 bucks. Like, I mean, it's just, yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to pollute my site with ads for that little money. Mm-hmm. I'm like, everybody has a number which they're going to sell out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not selling out for $200, right? right? If someone says, Jason, I'll put, can I put some ads on your site for a million dollars? I'd be like, hell yeah. Well, that's but, what I said about the show when, you know, to the people who asked if they could advertise on the show, I said, sure, we'll, you know, we'll do it for $2,000 a month. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> but no, but <laughs> three I mean, it's just not enough money. Right, right. And, 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 you know, our time is worth more than having to babysit them and deal with them, and and it just gets annoying. Even the people, well, whatever. So, and then and then he, he sends me emails like, "I'm gonna try more time, please." And I'm like, "I'm like, I'm no, sorry, it's just no. not enough." And uh, and then I said, "All right," I said, I, and I started thinking about it. Like, okay, you know, we want we need about five hundred dollars to buy all the, the books and stuff that I want to get for these kids. So I tell you what, you donate five hundred dollars uh, to the McKinley fourth grade math team, and I'll put, and and then you write up a counter article to mine. You explain what you did, why it's worked for you, why you like it, and I'll link to that, and I'll put it. I'll write a two sentence blurb saying, "Hey, here's a counterpoint if you're interested from a, a guy, you know, site that's you know doing this. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not going to go to an ad site or a landing page, but if you want to write a counterpoint article." Yeah, I think that's reasonable. That would be reasonable. And if you donated five hundred dollars in uh, to the fourth grade math team so that we could buy this stuff, I said I could live with that. That would right. be cool. Right? What did he say? And uh, and I said plus I think your clientele, who are quantitative in nature, would probably think that was kind of cool, right? And he said to me, he's like, yeah, I'm not really interested in buying textbooks for kids. So you know, how's three hundred dollars sound? And I'm like, 
<laughs> what an idiot. I'm like, dude, you know, I'm like, that's fine. It, it, it's fine. It's almost fine if he said, I can't afford 500, but how about 300, 350? But he said. But being, but being a jackass about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, fuck you. No yeah. way. I'm like, because he initially came back to me trying to be like, hey, a nice guy, you know, I'm a, uh, you sound like a really good guy. I'm a good guy too. And I want to, you know, kind of like this whole, like, I'm a, you know, like, and then it's like, I'm just saying, look, I'm trying to do something. I'm not comfortable with putting ads on my site, but I want this to work for, I think this can work for both of us. He's and trying. I, I yeah. try and come, and I try and come with a solution that was going to work. Well, he was trying for the good guy discount, which they just spoke about on NPR, actually. Oh, yeah? It was an NPR story. And it's, it's a thing, the good guy discount. Doesn't matter what shop you are. Doesn't matter where you are. You can say to the teller, just just as they ring it up, you say, "Can I get the good guy discount?" It's the good guy. You know, I'm a good guy. You're a good guy. Can I get the good guy discount? Oh, really? Yeah, and I've heard it. He like, probably tried. Like, probably heard literally, that. Literally, one in five. One in five is what they think. Like, because the teller will have some kind of staff discount card or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, they can always give a discount. You know, in most, unless it's like a really strict chain. But even in most chains, you can get discounts. So, the, so that was the story. And it's an interesting. He's going for the good guy discount. Yeah. Specifically, you must have listened to NPR. He's like, I'm a good guy. You're a good guy. Yeah, you That's know, and, and I'm, yeah, I'm not going for that. Like, I'm like, but, you know, I offered him a pretty, not a, a really reasonable alternative. But it was just kind of funny. He had, but, he, but the funny thing is, is that he responded and was sort of an idiot dismissive disrespectful yeah you know like so you're gonna be a you're gonna be disrespectful but i'm like i'm saying like, donate some to this 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 math this math team you know who cares what the money's for you could have said you can't afford it but to you know i was just thought it was but it literally makes no sense in in the corporate defect logic right he did exactly the wrong thing <laughs> yeah he, he he could have probably got it with three hundred a little bit more if he just said, "Oh, that sounds good. I can't quite afford five hundred. We're we're budget." Well, like, but also, he could have said, "He could have said, you know, look, let's say, you know, going on this whole, I'm a good guy, you're a good guy logic." Right. He could have said, "Oh man, you're such a good guy. Like to 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 teach those kids and to do that. Like that you put your time into that. I, I and you know, I'm a good guy. Like I've I only have three hundred and fifty available right now, but I could do that. Like I'd he, love to support that. I'd love to support really that. Cool. Yeah. Sounds great. Good That's idea. so illogical on his part. But he's a young guy. He's probably like twenties, and he's just probably like, you know, I don't know, just like too too focused on you know, too focused on what was important to him. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know when you want to strike a deal with somebody you want something from somebody you really need to spend time thinking what is important to this other person what do they want and that's what i tried to put to him i said look i think you can get a lot of traffic i think you'll get more traffic through this than if you wrote this counterpoint article to mine than me just pointing out like hey go to this website it would way more traffic for him it would work way better and so i was trying to i was trying i tried to pitch it to him that it would work for him but it apparently didn't work i wasn't enough to convince him because i think he was just too too focused on you know you, I, I think it's a bad idea. I mean, I, I think I'm really glad that you didn't do it because there should be no scenario where you put like an ad that's kind of trying to tweak the Google. I mean, I'm guessing he's doing because he wants to tweak Google, right? That's what they're all doing. So, so you're going to get a Google slap by just announcing that publicly. The 2,000 people who listen to our show, like it's just bad. It's bad juju. Well, if, you it, have if, that if out he there. was writing a counterpoint article that was interesting, then it would be fine. Right, right, right. If, right, if you're doing legitimate work, yeah. You're going to write a legitimate article that people would find interesting to read, then I would think that if it was just some bullshit infomercial crap, I'm not linking right, to it, right. right? I'm not, yeah. So, but yeah, did you see Matt, Matt, you're funny you bring that up because Matt Cutts, the, well, he's later the SEO guru at um, Google. Yeah. 
So if I can find it here. Oh, he, he has this, it was an article called The Decay and Fall of Guest Blogging. And it, I guess there was a video, I didn't watch video, I just kind of read the article about it, but basically it was talking about how guest blogging has become so spamified now that they're really going to discount you now for doing that. He said, you know, it's like, it's like most things, it's like most things on the web, like they start out as being legitimate, people do it, they guest blog for legitimate reasons, and then the spammers try and cheat it and they find ways to, to just, you know, so they call piss in the water, right? They just like, okay, how can we get away with not doing any real work, not providing any value? So like content marketing is going to, is going to like lose a lot of All the of content marketing, they're basically killing content marketing. They're realizing it's Oof. just dog shit. Wow. Because it is, it's, it's most of the times so it's like anytime you do something for not the absolute right reason, it's, it just ends up coming back to haunt you. So you're going to have to, like, with no content marketing, then it's going to have to loop back to viral marketing. You're just going to have to create something that's just so good in its own right that people just want to link to it. And that's what companies like Ingle, uh, like Google are in the business of doing. We are a search engine. You're searching for stuff that's quality you want. You're not searching, you're not trying, you don't want stuff that's going to trick you into going to sites that you don't really want to go to that aren't either answering your question or giving you the information that you want. Mm. It's, that's what, they do right that's their fundamental you know reason for being and uh and you know people a large part of people are always like you being of game theory are always trying to defect they want you to cooperate and they're going to defect so everybody you know when i write guest blogging or when i do content marketing i'm just going to pay for some cheap ass you know stupid articles that aren't that interesting that are just talking about stuff and uh, that no one really cares about but it they're packed with keywords and they're packed are you, are you gonna put that in the show notes that link because i want to have a look yeah, at that absolutely yeah. yeah okay good so, yeah so all right well li- listen um it's uh yeah one, what are we done. doing now one it's one hour 40 right so uh do you want to end on a happy note or a sad oh. note depressed <laughs> note you didn't do it you didn't do um <laughs> you didn't do the dark the dark side well there's um there are a couple of uh there's a couple NSA links I saw. There, well, I saw this one that the, the NSA is is getting uh, information off of like um, of uh, apps like Angry Birds and different stuff like off the App Store apps, mobile apps. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I was in the it Guardian. Just, I, linked, just I didn't have a chance to read it. Just, yeah, I just saw it this afternoon. So I didn't a chance to read it, but oh. they're basically getting information that's being leaked off of them. So um, now they're now they're tracking your kids. They're tracking everything. Oh my they're God. tracking everything in every possible way. They're weakening that is every so security depressing. protocol. They are compromised. They're leaning on every corporation. They're they have compromised any and every communication medium, hardware, radio, free anything, everything. There was this one <clears throat> that I read last night. This um, tour developer, uh, I think it was a female. She had ordered. Uh, maybe he or she, I can't remember. Let's say the, this tour developer was in, was in uh, I think it's Seattle or Washington, Tacoma or Seattle. They ordered a computer from Amazon. And they're, they're shipping in, the, in, the, in the, um, the center that we're shipping it from was in Santa Ana, California. Okay? It got routed through five different places in the Beltway, back in, in Dallas and, and over near, uh, and I guess the, uh, near Langley or something, over near um, so the CIA or whoever. Can you know they're talking about they would intercept computer computer so boards and insert mean, chips and insert stuff onto the boards. 
Does it mean that Amazon's in on it, or does no. it mean that the UPS is in on it? Or? No, because it was in the sort of the shipping, like, no, it's not the manifest, but it's the thing that shows the shipping routes that something went. And that's what she put so it up on the so, web. So like, how it, stupid is that? They get shipped to two or three different places in D.C. But, like, where, the, where's their hack? Is their hack at the UPS level? Is their hack at the FedEx level? Or, I mean, what? Probably at the, uh, probably at the, um, at the shipping companies. Probably the shipping companies. It probably uh, got intercepted. Huh. At uh, the postal. So the so thing. shipping companies probably have like, you know, it's probably embedded within the shipping companies. Like they have this API or whatever. I bet you, yeah, I'll bet you that. Like FedEx, red flag. UPS, FedEx. Oh my God, they are, probably have like red flag people, UPS and FedEx. Like if this, per, if, if anything gets shipped to this person, it's a red flag person. And we're just going to, if it's of any kind of class, you know, if it's computer class. Route it this That's way. probably right. That's oh probably right. Oh my god! Isn't that amazing. That is unbelievable. I think there was a couple more. I think the. Oh. I don't well, that's know. that's I'll, both I'll dark about, and funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. Um. On the uh, here's looking at you, kid. Yeah. <laughs> oh oh. I guess for this one, I guess I just saw this on Wired. I, again, I hadn't have a chance to read it, but it the last minute it says, if you've used this secure website mail, the FBA has your inbox. So I guess if you've used Tor mail. They have your inbox. The FBI has your inbox. That's what they're saying. This is unwired. Wow. So, yeah, and the, and, the, and the thought that, like, the NSA does this, but they don't share with the FBI, and the FBI, you know, just share with local. I mean, as over time, they're going to, it's just things are going to be shared pretty broadly, and they're going to have access to things. Um, and I guess, oh, what was I going to say about that? The FBI... I'm sorry. I'm I'm kind of my mind just went blank. I was thinking of three things at the same time, and they all fell out of my head. But um, that's all right. Uh, that's, we forgive you. Okay. In fact, that's a nice that's a nice funny thing to uh, end the show on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, even funnier. You like this? UK porn filter blocks League of Legends update for sex in the file name. Sex. Sex was in the file name somehow, and it blocked League of Legends update. <laughs> So what's up with the uh, what's up with the porn filter? What's up with the filters at the UK in, in the UK? Have you been reading about that? Following that at all? Well, they, they, so they're filtering the entirety of the UK, isn't it? Something like that. I guess like, the, I guess they have like, like a handful of US, ISPs and they're all. Yeah, I don't know. It's real. I think you have to kind of, I, but I think you have to opt into it. I don't think you have to opt out of it. Really? I, I mean, hey, I know absolutely nothing about it. No, haven't. No. Your your UK buddy, your old UK buddies aren't emailing no. you, going, "What's up?" No. You don't read? Do you read like UK newspaper magazines online to keep no. up with anymore? I read Hacker News, dude. Well, you know, I think just like you, you know, being a I, you know a, what I, I read. I'll tell you, I, my two news sources are Google News and Hacker News, and um, anything interesting in the UK will come up uh, through uh, Google News. Although I, I must admit, I do read BBC News, but usually only when I've got no interesting content on those other two. Right, and then yeah, yeah, it's all good. All good in the hood. It's all good in the hood. All right, all right. Well, let's uh, let's let's end it here. I gotta move on with my life. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's a wrap. We're out. <laughs>